We're so glad that you've tuned in to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Chase Baker, the family pastor here at Rolling Hills. We'll be bringing our series One Voice to a close today with a message from Pastor Jeff. As we focus in on our final four core values, joy, change, excellence, and prayer, the passage we'll be learning from is 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're so excited to dive into God's Word with you today. Now, here's Jeff. Good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It is so good to be together today. Welcome to everybody here who's in person at our Franklin campus. Welcome to everybody online. And wherever you're joining from in the city, the country, the world, I'm so glad you're here today. I love church. I love being here. I love that we can come and worship and be encouraged and be challenged to live out our faith in our everyday lives. And also today, man, we come to the conclusion of a great series. We have been in this great series called One Voice. And we've been endeavoring to hear the voice of God in 2021. You know, there's so many voices that call out to us, right, all the time, right? There's news media, social media. Our phones are constantly buzzing or it's on our watch now. And it's just constantly text messages and everything that rattles our minds and our hearts. And for us to say, I want to listen to one voice. I mean, all these things are going to go on in the world, but I want to hear from God. I want to know what God wants me to do in my life. I want to know what God says about me. I want to find my worth and my value in Him. I want to hear the voice of God. And it changes everything when we begin to understand that God loves us and that God wants to speak to us and have a relationship with us. Now, in our series, we've been walking through our kind of vision statement as a church, and it says simply this, we are a people of God, reaching out, growing up, giving all. And I love that. We're a people of God. You know, we're we're different than the world. We're set apart. You know, our lives shouldn't just like look like the world. It ought to be different. We're people of God. We're reaching out. When we come, we, we are challenged and encouraged, but then we go and live it out, right? And we help the poor and the broken, the forgotten. We should be looking for needs. And how can we meet those that we're growing up, that we're maturing? You know, Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. I'm, I'm like maturing. I'm, I'm falling more in love with God. I'm seeing what really matters in life. I'm falling more in love with my spouse, my roommates, my children. I, I'm seeing needs and I'm growing in my love for people and understanding who God made me to be. And then today we want to talk about this giving all. Giving all. Giving our best for the glory of God. Not our leftovers, right? But our best. You know, sometimes people think, you know, Christianity kind of compartmentalize their faith, right? I, I got my job and I got my family. I've got my friends and my hobbies. And I got a little bit of God, you know, like over here, right? And God's going, no, I don't want that. I want to be in all. I want to be overall. I, I want to be the Lord of your marriage. I want to be the Lord of your family. I want to be the Lord of your job, on your career. I want to be in every aspect of your life. I don't want to be some side hustle, you know, some part-time gig. I want to be in your heart and in your life all the time. And when we give her all, wow, that's when our Christian life comes alive. We just sell out and go, I'm gonna follow God with everything I am, with everything in me for the glory of God. Man, I'm excited about today. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. So New Testament, if you're new to the Bible, kind of midway and then go to the right a little bit. If you need a Bible, if you're here at Franklin, there's some Bibles in the back. If you're online, you can go on the Rolling Hills app and you can find it there, Matthew chapter 16. And then we saw last week where Jesus was confronted by the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And they're trying to trap Jesus. That never goes well for anybody. I'll just tell you, he's God, you're not. You know? so, so they're trying to trap him and, and Jesus refutes them the whole time. And then Jesus 
pulls his disciples. And that's what we're gonna see today. Jesus speaking to his disciples. You know, every one of these in messages in this whole series, we're looking at these red letters, these very words of Jesus. And so here's what he's saying to his disciples. And he takes them in Matthew 16, and they're at Caesarea Philippi. And he says, guys, who do men say that I am? All right, and they all start saying, well, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, some say Jeremiah. And then he asks the question that every one of us has to answer. But who do you? Who do you say that I am? Personal. What do you believe about me? Not just am I a, a great prophet or a good man, but am I truly the son of God? And Peter says, yes, you are the Messiah, the son of God. And Jesus is like, you're right, Peter, you nailed it. Good job, yes. Yes, and upon this rock, I will build my church. This rock, the confession of our faith that Jesus is Lord. And that's what binds us together. That Jesus is Lord. He's like, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then he says, verse 21, and pick up here, Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So Jesus just lays it out for him. Guys, here's what's gonna happen, right? I'm gonna go to Jerusalem. They're gonna put me on a cross, but after three days, I will conquer death. And these guys, man, he's just calling his shot. He's saying, it's not the Romans that's gonna put me on a cross. It's not the Jews. I'm willingly giving my all. I'm giving my life. Well, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Now, Peter's gotten a little cocky, right? He got the right answer earlier, and so he's kind of like, wait a minute, Jesus, no way. Not gonna happen. I'm gonna stand up for you, right? I'm gonna fight for you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Wow, that's pretty strong, right? Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. He's like, you're still thinking like the world, he says, get behind me, Satan. See, Satan's temptation to Jesus was, you don't have to suffer. You go back to Matthew 4, right? And Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. You don't have to go through the hardships. You don't have to go through the difficulties. Take a shortcut. And Peter's saying the same thing. And Jesus goes, no, the cross has to happen. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There has to be a price that's paid. And Jesus goes, I'm gonna pay it. I'm gonna pay it because I love you, and I love those who will come after you. I am looking down through the quarters of time, and I'm seeing every person in this room, and I'm going to go to the cross and pay the price. I'm not taking a shortcut. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So Jesus really presses in here about discipleship. Jesus really presses in about what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be a follower. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, look at that, for me, will find it. That sounds so counterintuitive, right? I mean, it sounds like, what? If I want to save my life, I'm going to lose it? What does that mean? Well, it's like if you take a seed and, you know, you're like, I'm going to protect this seed. And so I'm going to put the seed in a jar and I'm going to put it on the the shelf, and man, I'm just going to be safe. That seed is safe. That, that seed wasn't created for that. The seed was created to be 
put into the ground. And when the seed is in the ground, the seed dies, what actually happens? It becomes alive, right? And it sprouts up and it grows and becomes this beautiful flower, this beautiful plant, this ginormous tree. And then Jesus is going, I've got bigger plants for you. And you can try to play it safe and sit over here and just think it's all about me. No, but you give your life to me. You pour your heart out to me and watch me come alive in you. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Man, that's powerful. He says, listen, you, you maybe have 70, 80, 90 years on this earth, right? What does it gain the whole world? You get a lot of money, a lot of success, a lot of power, but, but you forfeit your soul all of eternity. Don't miss this. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? I mean, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory and his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. And one day we'll have to give an account of our lives. We'll stand before God and have to give an account. And he says, truly I tell you, some of you who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. What's he talking about? Well, if you go to Matthew 17, Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? It shows up in his resurrected body. And Peter, James, and John are there, and they see that. See, one day when we die, we go to heaven, we get new bodies. We get eternal bodies, and I'm pumped about that. That's going to be great, right? No allergies, right? No aches, no pains, no nothing, right? No disease, no suffering. We're in a resurrected body, and Peter, James, and John got to see it. And they lived their lives for the glory of God. They said, man, we're all in. And Jesus takes these disciples these disciples pours into them and they become the leaders, right? After his resurrection, they, they vest in the church and the early church takes off and lives are changed and transformed. It impacts the entire history and entire world. And that's the invitation that God has for us. Hey, come follow me. Come follow me and give your all and watch what I'll do through you. Hey, if you're taking notes today, I wanna to invite you to write some things down. If you're here at our Franklin campus, if you're online, you can go to the Rolling Hills app. You can fill in some blanks. The only reason we do it is you write some things down, you kind of tend to remember those things. So even just making mental notes or putting some things down on paper, but check this out. Number one, give your all for Jesus. That's the invitation of discipleship. Whoever, right, there's the invitation right there. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And I love this invitation from Jesus. Right? Come, come on. I'm inviting you on this journey to be my disciple. Deny themselves means this it's God's agenda is greater than my agenda. God's agenda is greater than my agenda. Now, there's always this temptation to go back to my agenda, right? Remember, like Peter, he's like, hey, you know, you don't have to go through this. Take a shortcut. And Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. Come on, you know, you're thinking about human concerns and not godly concerns. There's always that temptation. You know those cartoons where you have the little devil on one shoulder and the little you know, angel on the other shoulder and it's like, which voice am I gonna listen to? I'm laying in bed and I know I ought to get up and I maybe read a, a chapter of the Bible and pray before, but oh no, stay in bed, stay in bed. Take a shortcut, right? You know, I don't know about church today. Uh, take a shortcut, right? I don't, I don't know about being in a community. Uh, take a shortcut. There's always this pressure from the world, and, and at some point you just go, get behind me, Satan, it's not my agenda anymore, it's God's agenda, I'm gonna live for him, I'm denying myself, I'm trusting that God's got a greater plan for me. Hey, take up their cross, the cross represents sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed himself for us. 
And whenever we take up our cross, we look around and say, how can I sacrifice for others? What can I do for you? How can I bless you? How can I help you? When I get home from work, you know, I walk in the house and say, how can I serve my family? How can I bless the people around me? When I walk into the office, how can I serve here? How can I sacrifice for others? It's a different agenda. Follow Jesus. See, we want to lead, right? This is what we all do. We all do this. We, we all make these plans for our life, and then we go, okay, Jesus, I just need you to bless my plans. You know, I, I got these great plans for me. Like, you just come along, you know, and just do something special. Like, you know, kind of make it bigger than I could think. But Jesus is going, hold on, hold on. Why don't you pray and say, what do you want me to do? What are your plans for me? And then maybe we go, no, 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 I want to take the lead. At some point you go, okay, I'm tired of wrestling here. I'm going to follow. I'm going to trust. I want to be a godly husband or father. I want to be a man after God's heart. I want to be a godly wife or mom. I want to, I want to live my life for the glory of God. And, and God's got bigger plans than I can see. And so I'm going to trust him. I'm going to follow him. Game changer, right? I mean, I trust that Jesus is Lord of my life. See, this is where it all starts, right? This is, this is baptism. You know, when you think about baptism, that's great confession. Jesus is my Lord. And you're dying your way of life. You're going under, you're being buried like that seed, and you're being raised to walk in this new life to follow Jesus. And your whole life is different. You come alive in Christ. All right, notice this one. There's a difference between cultural Christianity and committed Christianity. There is a difference between cultural Christianity and committed Christianity. There are a lot of people out there who are cultural Christians, right? Jesus is out there somewhere, and I'm, I'm glad but I'm really not committed, right? I'm not committed. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, and notice that, for me, that I'm living for Jesus. I'm committed to him. Hey, Jesus is not looking for fans, but for followers. There's a lot of people who want to be fans. There's a lot of people who want to sit up in the stands and go, woo, great, that's good. Well, that's great, okay. And then I go back and do my own thing, and live my own agenda, and I'll show up every now and then, you know, and kind of pop in Christmas, Easter, whatever, can I'll kind of be around. But, but man, Jesus is looking for followers. Jesus is looking for people who are ready to get in the arena. People who are ready to invest. People who are ready to say, I'm not perfect, I got a long way to go, but I just wanna tell you what God's doing in my life. I wanna help out. I wanna take care of the poor, the broken, the forgotten. I, I wanna jump in, I wanna be involved, I wanna be in, engaged. He's not looking for consumers, but contributors. Hey, what is the fruit of your life? Because if you think about it, that God's got this plan for you and God's got this plan for me, and it's this, that our lives look more like Jesus. It says in Romans 8, 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined, that means that God had a plan or purpose for all of us, that we'd be conformed to the image of Christ. And so is my life looking more like Jesus? Man, I've got a long way to go. Yes, yes, yes. But am I growing? Am I loving people? Am I caring? Am I moving toward Christ? What is the fruit of your life? One of the saddest verses in the Bible to me. It's in John chapter six. It's kind of crazy, but it's verse 66. It's John 6, 66. I mean, that's right. Okay, but it says this. From that time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. I think, What? Oh yeah, there were like tons of people around following Jesus, but, but a lot of people, as it got harder, they're like, I don't know. And I, I kind of like sitting up in the stands a little bit better, right? I kind of like showing up whenever, but, but now you're asking me to follow, you're asking me to get in and to be involved and engaged. 
And Jesus looks at his disciples. He says, you don't want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. So you had the 12 disciples. Then you had other disciples, right? After Jesus' resurrection, there's 120 believers. But there were thousands of people that were around Jesus all the time. And a lot of them turned back. And Jesus says, you don't want to leave me too? He asked the 12. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter's like, where else are we gonna go? What else lasts for eternity? What else do I find joy and peace and purpose and hope? It's in Christ, in Christ alone. See, things that are alive grow. We talked about that last week. Things that are alive grow. If your spiritual life's alive, you're gonna grow, right? Things that aren't alive, they don't grow. They're dead. But things that are alive grow, they mature, we grow up, we mature, but they also reproduce. And see, if, if you're a parent here, you have got the greatest calling. Man, pouring into your kids, discipling, mentoring, encouraging, helping them grow and mature, helping them to have a spiritual foundation. You're a grandparent, wow. You're an aunt, you're an uncle, what a privilege. And you got people who look up to you all the time, but for all of us as disciples, and that's why it's so important to teach in preschool and, and, and children and students, middle school, high school, because you're, you're pouring in and you're sharing what God's done in your life and you're passing that on and, or to lead a community group or a men's study or women's or where am I reproducing? Where am I sharing God's love? Where am I pouring back into those who are coming behind me? Here's what Paul writes, the apostle Paul. used to be a Pharisee, becomes a disciple of Jesus, right? I've become all things to all people. I love that. Here he is, later on. All things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. And the apostle Paul, man, here he is, you know, following Jesus, serving him. God's using him to make a difference, make an impact. He's like, I'm all in. I'm all in. And God uses the apostle Paul, writes over half the New Testament, changes hearts and lives all over. What can God do through us? Mm. All right, invest your life in what will last for eternity. Invest your life in what will last for eternity. When Jesus said this, this is so powerful, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Hey, you can't live for both this world and for God. You gotta make a decision at some point. Yeah, what's gonna be the chief objective? Now, we're in this world, but we're not of this world, right? And so there's things that we live for that, that are like of the world, but, but man, that our overarching purpose of our life, the overarching direction of our life, is it gonna be the world or is it gonna be God? What's gonna hold my heart? What's gonna hold my passion? Your attitude and your actions will reflect what you value. Your attitude, right? You wake up in the morning and you go, okay, it's a new day. God, how can you use me today? The joy of the Lord is my strength today. You know, or do you wake up going, oh, great, here we go. You know, it's like, no, I have a different attitude. The Bible says, you know, you work as working for the Lord and not for men. God, what do you want to do through me today? Or do you walk into a room and you go, here I am? Or do you walk into a room and go, there you are? How can I bless you? How can I encourage you? How can I help you? Things begin to change. But listen, also your actions reflect what you value. Your actions, where you spend your time, where you spend your money, where you spend your resources, it really shows what's important to you and what you value. Do you invest your time, talent, and resources only in the world or in God's agenda? Right, our time. 
It, it takes time to follow Jesus. I mean, there's no doubt. Right? It takes time to come to church. Great job. I'm so proud of you. I mean, like, this is, but it takes time, right? It, it takes time to watch. It takes time to, to get up and say, well, I want to I read a chapter. I want to I pray. It takes time. But it is so worth it. Changes our mind, changes our heart, changes our outlook on everything. Our talent. You know, God gave you a talent. God gave you gifts and abilities, and it's not just to make money, right? It's not just to build some empire over here. It's to further God's kingdom. Some of you, you're incredible at teaching. You're you're incredible at serving. You're you're incredible at worship or singing and using whatever talent you have to say, how can I use it for the glory of God? How can I write a blog, write an email? How can I encourage somebody? I've got this gift of encouragement. How can I reach out to them with this post? How can I give glory to God and what I post on Instagram or whatever else, but we start to see that and then even our resources. Even our resources. God, everything I have is yours. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, you know, oh, Pastor Jeff, are you, are you ever worried that if the church loses their tax-exempt status that, man, nobody's gonna give anymore? I was like, no. People don't give because of a tax-exempt break. Now, it's nice. I mean, like, let's be honest. I mean, like, that's great. You get a deduction on your taxes. It's amazing. It's wonderful. But that's not people's motivation to give. Are you kidding me? People give because God asked us to, right? Our first tip is it. We give back to God. It's a commitment. That, that's what we do. We, we love it. We want to invest. We want to help people. We want to bless people. That, that's what we do. It's not just to get a tax. I mean, Christians who went before us didn't get some tax-exempt status. I mean, like, it's like, what are you doing? So, it's us saying, God, how can I further your kingdom? Hey, some of you guys know that we recently merged with a church called Park Avenue Baptist Church in Nashville. And we were looking for a Nashville campus, God opened the door, it was incredible. And this church is like 200 years old, okay? It's been there forever. And God's been doing a big work in Nashville and now, you know, it's Rolling Hills, Nashville campus, but it's great. But Patrick Hamilton is a pastor at Park Avenue and now is part of our Rolling Hills staff team. He shared with me this letter that they had in kind of their church library. And this letter was written in February of 1927. Okay, think about that. You know, back then they didn't have emails to send, you know, or text messages or something like that. So this guy is a Sunday school teacher named Smith Wall of high school boys in 1927. And he sends this letter to the boys in his class saying, hey, will you guys pray for this kid who's been coming? He lives just down the street on Dakota Avenue. His name's Gordon Womack, and we're gonna pray that he comes to know Christ. He's a friend of the, one of the kids in this class. And at the end of the letter, the Sunday school teacher says, wouldn't it be glorious if six Christian young men in one Sunday school class should join together as one body to give of their best to the master? I think about that. A hundred years ago, this guy is writing this to high school boys in Nashville. Well, this Gordon Womack comes to church and ends up giving his life to Christ and becomes a leader in the church. Stays in the church his entire life. He becomes a businessman. He becomes successful in Nashville and blesses the church, becomes a leader because the Sunday school class was praying. So I thought about this. I thought, what else was happening in the 1920s? So I went and looked up. Do you know, I'm just gonna ask you real quick. Do you know who the name of the president of the largest steel company in the 1920s was? Do anybody know the name? Okay, what about the largest gas company? What about the president of the New York Stock Exchange? Okay, what about the greatest wheat speculator, the great bear of Wall Street? Anybody know, 1920s? No. Okay, well, I'll tell you, the largest steel company, the guy died a pauper. 
Um, the largest president of the largest gas company went insane. The president of the New York Stock Exchange was released from prison to die at home. The greatest wheat speculator died penniless. The president of the Bank of International Settlement and the Great Bear of Wall Street both took their lives. And it's sad to see. But not Gordon Womack. <laughs> I'm holding Gordon Womack's will. This is his will and testament from 1973 when he passed from this life to go home. And this guy was an amazing leader. He blesses so many people. He's like taking care of his family. He's taking care of his sisters and his nieces and his nephews and all of his children and all these people and his cousins. And then he leaves to Park Avenue Baptist Church and the Nashville Rescue Mission in Nashville. And he sets it up so that out of his companies that he ties in perpetuity because it's a land lease. And so now, as a church, you guys, we get $30,000 a year from this guy, Gordon Womack, who died in 1973. So for 48 years, he's been giving money to further God's kingdom. I'm like, who is this guy? I want to know this guy. This is awesome, you know? And I'm just like, this is amazing. He was thinking about it. He was a leader in his church from high school all the way till he died. And then he said, I'm going to further God's kingdom in perpetuity. I just think, Wow. And so now we're using that money of the poor to help the broken, to help people in Nashville, to grow the church. And I'm just thinking, wow, this is amazing. Hey, I will say this. This is just a little aside. This is a little aside. If you don't have a will, please get a will. I mean, I'm just going to tell you just as your pastor, there was a lady who came to me like, you know, a couple months ago because she, last year in January, I said, hey, if you haven't been to the doctor, please go to the doctor and get a checkup. And she went and they found early stages of breast cancer and praise God, they were able to treat it. And she's doing great. And she said, thank you so much. So I'm just going to tell you, Please get a will. I saw where two-thirds of Americans don't even have a will. I mean, Prince didn't have a will, Chadwick Boseman. We don't know when our time is, but take care of your kids. People think, oh, that's only for people in their 70s and 80s. Nope, 30s and 40s. What's gonna happen to your kids? What's gonna happen to your grand? You set that up. And so as a church, we're gonna offer a class February 4th if you just need help or find a lawyer, find somebody. But please, make that a priority. What are you gonna do and how can you bless others? Hey, this is important for all of us. All right, as a people of God, we're called to give our all as God's church today. For the Son of Man is gonna come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. One day we'll all stand before God and have to give an account of what we've done. You know, one day we're all, every one of us, here's the final exam. I'm just gonna tell you the final exam right here. We're gonna all stand before God, and he's gonna ask us two questions. He's gonna say, one, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? And every one of us has to give an answer. You know, what did I do? Did I accept Christ? Did he become the Lord of my life? Did I follow him? Number two, he's gonna say, what did you do with what you were given? What did you do? The time, the time, the resources. You know, I gave you these. What did you do? Did you further my kingdom? What did you do? We'll have to give an account. Jesus is coming back for his church. You know, throughout, the church is the vehicle by which God accomplishes his work in the world. The church is the body, the bride of Christ. And so join the church, jump in, be a part. If it's not here, find some place. Jesus is coming back for his church. When we invest in God's kingdom together, it's amazing what God will do. See, I love that because you think about these disciples they were fishermen. They were business guys. There were women that were joining in. And in Acts chapter one, there's 120 believers and they're locking arms together, men and women, and serving and watching God change the world. And it's happening all over. 
Uh, I have a friend, you know, we do pastor's conferences in the Amazon, and we go down to the Amazon jungle, and, and one of the pastors sent us this video of his church. And in the church, there's a flood stage in the Amazon, and so they had to move the church up. And look at all the people in the church. They come out, and they lift the church on their backs. I mean, like, how crazy is that, right? They're lifting it up to move it up to higher ground because when it floods. And so they're all coming together, and they're all saying, okay, we're going to lift this building and we're going to move it up to higher ground so that we can continue to worship. And I saw that, and I just thought, man, I love that. Now, praise God here, we have building contractors and construction workers. But if it took all of us, we would all just go out there and go, let's go. But here's the thing, it does take all of us. It takes all of us praying. It takes all of us serving. It takes all of us giving. It takes all of us to be God's church today. And we get to do that together. And it's amazing what God does when we do that together. Hey, God's church will impact generations. God's church will impact generations. That's the beauty of what we get to be a part of. Because it doesn't just impact you, right? We come and we're encouraged and we're challenged. We get excited about what God's doing but it impacts our children and grandchildren and generations that we don't even know this side of heaven, but one day we will. Oh yeah, one day we'll be in heaven and we're like, man, you got to be a part of that? Oh, I did too. That was many years before you, but man. All right, will you learn to listen to one voice in your life? Will you learn to listen to one voice in your life? Truly, I tell you, some of you who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And guys, it could be us. See, we're closer to the end times than ever before. People ask me often, they're like, Jeff, you know, do you think this is it, right? You know, because there's a pandemic, there's tornadoes, there's earthquakes. I mean, do you, and I'm like, I don't know, but I know we're closer than ever before. And the question is, are we ready? I mean, if Jesus were to come back tonight, are we ready to answer those two questions? And not that any of us are perfect, not that any of us, but are we striving, are we growing, are we loving, are we pursuing the things that really matter? Because Jesus has incredible plans for you, so follow him. He has incredible plans in this life and in the life to come. I mean, the life to come is gonna be incredible, but trust him and follow him. Listen to one voice, Jesus. You got a decision to make every day, right? Who am I gonna listen to? Who am I gonna follow? Where am I gonna invest? What am I gonna pray about? I wanna listen to Jesus. You know, one of my favorite people in the world is a guy named John Pacalabo. John Pack was born in England. He was a rock and roll guy. His band used to open for the Beatles. They were really successful. He did well, made a lot of money, and then God just kind of got a hold of his heart, committed his life fully to Christ, and just said, Jesus, I want to live for you. And here he is in his 30s, and and just saying, okay, the rest of my days, God, I want to live it for you. He started Kingsway Music. And a lot of the worship music that we even sing today came out of this movement in England. Kingsway Music, when I mean, you think of Christ Alone, Matt Redman, all these things that started coming out. And then he said to his wife, you know, in his early 50s, he said, Juliet, we've made a lot of money. It's, it's been a great run. Hey, let's buy a villa in Spain. We'll spend half the year in Spain. He loved to play golf, loved to fish. Like, yeah, let's spend half the year in Spain, half the year in England. And so she's like, great, let's do it. That'd be fun. And so here they are in their 50s, kind of thinking that way. And then he goes on a fishing trip down the Amazon. 
So he goes over to the Amazon because peacock bass, right? I mean, guys, fishermen, it's a big deal. Right? You catch a peacock bass. So down the Amazon, looking for peacock bass, he's on this fishing trip, and he looks over, and he sees this old dilapidated building. And it's like 150 kids out there. It's hot, you know, and 120 degrees, and the building's falling down. And he says to the guide, he says, what's that? And she said, that's a school. He said, that's not a school. And he said, right there at that moment, God spoke to me and said, release worship to the poor. And I was like, I don't know what that means. You know what I'm doing? Worship and release worship to the poor. So he comes back from this trip and he tells his wife, says, Juliet, sell the villa in Spain. We're, we're gonna invest here. This is what God's telling us to do. And for the next 10 years, he built 12 schools up along the Amazon for the poorest of the poor. We built a community center to, to have medical supplies to take to the jungle. We started doing mission trips with John Pack and his team, taking boats down and going to villages. And then eight years ago this month, he called and said, can you guys come to England? I've been diagnosed with stomach cancer. And I don't know how long I have to live. To live. And so eight years ago, we flew over to England, we went to John's house, and, and there he is. He's this big, strong guy. Now he's in a hospital bed, and he's got the whole board of Kingsway Trust there. He's got all of his family, his kids, his grandkids are there in the room. And for the next three hours, we, we talked, we prayed, and John said, I want the last thing to, I do with my life, my legacy, to be what I did for the poor and the forgotten. And he transferred all the assets in the Amazon to JMI, Justice Mercy International, the nonprofit we had just started about three years before. And we're all sitting there looking like, what is going on? All right, I just can't believe this and everything, the schools and the community center and the boats and the people. And he just said, I want this to be my legacy. He got tired and closed his eyes and we left and came back the next day and John opened his eyes and he looked at his wife, Juliet, and said, Juliet, I love you. And then he closed his eyes and he went home to be with Jesus. But you know what? John's legacy continues. Now today, COVID is rampant in Manaus in that area and in JMI, Justice and Mercy, Amazon. You know, our work there, because we have people on the ground, we're taking oxygen bottles to, to people all over, helping pastors and minister to the people in their village joined with Samaritan's Purse and working with all the help and the hope and bringing food, impacting thousands of lives because one guy had a vision to say, I'm gonna listen to the voice of God and what does God wanna do through me? His daughter now, Lucy, her and her husband George moved from Germany and Lucy works for JMI now. George is on our worship team and, and seeing his kids and his grandkids all living their lives for the glory of God. And I just thought, yes, yes. We get one chance, guys. We get one shot at life. And it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to listen to all the voices that call out to us, our phones all the time. But if we could just look up and say, I'm gonna live my life for one voice. God, what do you wanna do through me? God, how can you use me for whatever I have on this earth? 60, 70, 80, 90 years, God, I wanna be sold out for you. Because Jesus, you gave your all for me. I want to give my all for you. I don't know where you are today. Maybe in your life, you know what? There's been all kinds of voices pulling at you. 
Maybe in your life, man, there's been some sin or some struggles that, and at some point you just gotta go, get behind me, Satan, I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward in my relationship with God. I'm moving forward in my relationship with my family. I'm moving forward in the things that matter. I'm not gonna get left behind on the things that I've missed. Jesus, I'm focused on you. When you came in today, you received the communion elements, and I wanna invite you to take those out right now. If you're watching online, you can go to the kitchen and grab some bread, some wine, share it together with your family. But Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, brought his disciples together and he said, guys, I want you to know what I'm gonna do for you. I want you to know how you're loved. And so as we prepare our hearts to receive communion, I wanna pray over us. Our worship team is gonna come and this is a holy moment right now. Would you listen to what God wants to say to you? So Father God, meet us in this moment. Father, I pray that you would search our hearts right now. God, I pray if there's any distractions in our lives, God, that we would just say, get behind me, Satan. I'm moving forward in my relationship with God. Maybe today is a day of salvation where somebody says, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to follow you. Maybe today is a day of commitment. Maybe the people have been fans, but today we're going to be followers. <laughs> Maybe today, God, is a day when we just search our hearts and say, am I growing to be more like Jesus? Am I loving my spouse? Am I loving my kids? Am I living for the things that matter? Am I looking around and seeing needs, my roommates, my classmates? God, use me. Maybe today's the day we just commit. God, everything I have for you. God, my whole life, my whole heart, I give it to you. So Father, meet us in this moment just like you met your disciples back then. And Father, they came alive in you and impacted the world. Oh Lord, what could you do through us? In our day, our time, and our generation. Father, we are yours. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook and stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. Thanks for tuning in.